0: Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to Yet Again, another episode here on the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce Podcast. And guys, in today's episode, we're going to be recapping all of our college football action from the conference championship weekend up to the 2022 college football season and boy did it not disappoint Caleb Williams goes up against the Utah Utes in the Pac-12 championship game Max Duggan and the unbeaten Horn Frogs take on Kansas State the 10th ranked Kansas State Wildcats in a battle for the Big 12 we had Purdue and Michigan in the Big 10 and then to wrap it all off we had Clemson and North Carolina in the ACC championship game, but before we start talking about all of those games we had going on during this weekend, I first want to ask all to please make sure that you are like, commenting, sharing, rating, do whatever, do whatever you can, and I mean, it means the absolute world to me. Just make sure you continue to spread the Cover 7 podcast so that everybody can stay up to date with anything college football and NFL related, and also, i love for them to join our little community we got going on right now. It may not be the biggest, but man, I can't wait to continue to grow with y'all and just continue to... Just talk college football in NFL with y'all guys. So anyway, you know, enough talking. Like I always say, I don't want to waste y'all's time. Don't want to waste my time either. So let's get right into today's episode and to kick off all of our games. Unfortunately, we didn't have any on Thursday or Tuesday or Wednesday. You know, maxion's over with for the most part. We did have one Maction game, but that was due because... It just absolutely got snowed out in Buffalo a few weeks ago, so they had to replay that on Friday. But we're not going to really talk about that game. Buffalo did beat Akron, so in case any of y'all are wondering, Buffalo beat Akron. I know I talked a little bit about it in the preview. But um, anyway, you know, actually to get to our conference championship games, the first conference championship game I want to talk about, we're going to go to Friday. And we're going to have a, one of the more underrated group of five conference championship games. And this would be the Conference USA Championship between North Texas and UTSA. Now, UTSA, despite being ranked 24th in the AP poll, they would actually not make it into the top 25 into the college football playoff rankings, and you could definitely tell that made UTSA have a little bit more of a chip on their shoulder going into this game against North Texas, which last year, I remember reading something, but North Texas was like one of UTSA's only losses last year, so obviously they're going to want to avenge that loss, and it was kind of funny enough, I saw a little bit of chirping between or UNT fans and then UTSA fans, because, you know, Texas rivalry, it's always going to happen. But um, in that game, man, it was just absolutely UTSA's ball game from the entire start to finish. You know, a ton of credit needs to be given to senior quarterback Frank Harris, who has really helped put this UTSA football program where they're at now. I mean, what he's been able to do so far is, you know, during his career at UTSA is something that doesn't get talked about enough, and I definitely feel like it doesn't because he should definitely be up there in terms of, you know, one of the best group of five quarterbacks in the nation. And, well, in his final conference championship game and, you know, the game that would ultimately give UTSA back-to-back conference championship wins, Frank Harris will go 32 for 37, 341 yards passing with four touchdowns on the day. And then also for UTSA in the receiving game, Zachary Franklin, a senior out of Cedar Hill, he would absolutely ball out. Would have 144 yards receiving and three touchdowns as well. As UTSA would go on to literally run, you know, pun very much intended when talking about the Roadrunners, 48-27 to 27 over their in-state conference foe, North Texas. And man, what a season it's been for UTSA. I fully expect them now to be in the top 25 in the final rankings for the college football playoff. And, you know, honestly, I'm really excited to see where this UTSA program goes forward. Obviously, losing Frank Harris next year is going to be kind of detrimental because he's had such good good quarterback play for them these past few years. But, man, just what another great season it's been for the Roadrunners. Now, y'all, as you all know, our first major conference championship game to kick us off here in conference championship week We're going to go out to Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium as we're going to have the Pac-12 championship game between the 11th ranked Utah Utes who have a banged up quarterback in their own and Cameron Rising taking on the 4th ranked USC Trojans led by their Heisman pretty much I think right at this point you can say Caleb Williams has the Heisman Trophy taking on their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback Caleb Williams. And while well, in this game, it was a quick start for the Trojans as to kick it off, they would get to a quick 17-3 to lead over the Utah Utes. Caleb Williams is having no problems throwing the football all over this Utah secondary and also had a really just amazing highlight run where he just completely was juking everybody out. You know, was able to get down into the red zone of Utah. But the Utes, if there's anything we know about this football program, they do not quit. And towards the end of the first half, they started to claw back into this game as they would put up 10 unanswered points going into halftime to tie the ball game up 17 to 7. And then right out of the gates in the in the second half, they're able to go down the field to get an early 24 to 17 win. Oh, or not 20 24 to 17 win. Get a 24 to 17 lead over the Trojans in the second half. And, you know, kind of the big story you're going to hear is, you know, Caleb Williams being banged up. You know, earlier in the game, it looked like he sliced, I think it was his pinky or thumb, which is obviously not a good thing, especially, you know, it's on your throwing hand. And then also he started to limp a little bit towards the end of the first half, which he continued to do in the second half. And he just did not look like himself whatsoever in the second half. As Utah really, like defensively, just dominated USC in the second half. You know, not only were their schemes working really well, they just look like the better coach team. And, you know, what I've been saying for years now, you know, obviously I've been saying for years here on the podcast, but what I've been saying for years now, whether it was with family and friends and everything like that, if Lincoln Riley wants to be able to take that next step and, you know, truly become a playoff contender, it's got to start with defense, right? You need to go get you a new defensive coordinator. I know he's not going to fire Alex Grinch because for some reason, him and you know Riley are just complete buddies and they and he absolutely refuses to let him go but after watching this performance against Utah I think it's pretty much safe to say you need to move on from Alex Grinch. It's time to go find you a new, you know, new coordinator. You have no excuses now at USC because you went in the transfer portal, got you yourself a pretty a Heisman winning quarterback at this point. You also went out, went out and got you a ton of skill position players. You know, went out and got the Balinakoff winner from last year in Jordan Addison. Went out and got you a star wide receiver from OU, came over with you. You know, there's no excuse for Riley to have not won this game, right? But Utah. They may not have the biggest star named players. They may not have, you know, the biggest accolades and everything like that. But they wanted this game. They wanted to win this game, and it showed absolutely. Cameron Rising, who despite was banged up going into this game and took one of the hardest hits we've seen all year here about the midpoint in the game, he absolutely dominated. 22 for 34, 310 yards passing with three touchdowns and zero interceptions on the day. I mean, just what a game by Cameron Rising, truly submitting himself. As one of the most clutch quarterbacks in Utah history. And also, you know, we're talking about the passing game and everything like that. But the run game was really key for the Utes in this game. As Jaquindon Jackson, the former Texas quarterback who had a great career at Duncanville, went to UT in hopes of being able to potentially become the starting quarterback for the Longhorns. That never worked out. Went to Utah in hopes of being able to become their starting quarterback. Gets beat out by Charlie Brewer and, you know, backs him up last year and now he's behind Cameron Rising. So he decides to make the transition to go to running back. And, well, it looks like that's going pretty darn well for him as he would have 13 rushing attempts on the night for 105 yards rushing and two touchdowns. I mean, just what a game by JaQuindon Jackson, the former, you know, high school star quarterback coming out of Duncanville. Um, Bernard would also have himself a pretty good game as well. Eleven carries for eighty-eight yards rushing and one touchdown. As the Utah Utes, they get rid of any hopes of USC making the playoffs in a forty-six to twenty, or sorry, not forty-six, forty-seven to twenty-four win over the USC Trojans, the fourth-ranked USC Trojans, mind you. This was just a great all-time win by the Utah Utes here in the Pac-12 championship game. And, you know, you're going to hear a lot about how well their offense was. You know, Cameron Rising throwing the football, Jaquinda Jackson running the football. But I think, really, the thing that won Utah this game, was that defense. That defense absolutely they made they made the correct adjustments they needed in order to limit Caleb Williams for getting those super explosive plays we saw in the first quarter and you know they outscored USC. So after they got up to that seventeen to seven lead, they outscored USC for the rest of the game. And you know, actual actual outscoring forty four to seven just putting it right there. USC they'd only get another touchdown for the rest of the game after the first quarter and that would be it. I mean they got the field goal but I mean just what a game by the Utah Utes are going as they go on to become the 2022 Pac-12 champions. Great win for the Utah Utes. Hopefully, this will gain them some momentum as well. But USC, they're likely going to see themselves. They'll stay in the top ten, but they'll probably become, you know, a little bit lower. And you know, with this loss, it allowed Ohio State to be able to jump right back into the playoff, despite getting blown out at home against Michigan. Just with how bad of a loss this was, which was a loss USC could not afford. They, they, you know, they decided just, you know, screw it. We're going to lose anyway. And well. Now they're completely out of the playoff. And what could have been a really successful year for Lincoln Riley, and it was, you know, still you're 11-2. You're going to go to a New York Six Bowl game. Not a bad year for USC by any means, but this year had so much potential. But the defense, which has been their Achilles heel for this whole year, is what ultimately would also help cost them in this game. So, anyways, y'all, that would wrap up all of our college football uh, conference championship games on Friday. So now let's get over to Saturday as we had some pretty big matchups. Some pretty big matchups, and to kick it all off at 11 a.m., you know, bright and early, we had Deuce Vaughn and the 10th ranked Kansas State Wildcats traveling down to Arlington, Texas to take on the third ranked TCU Horn Frogs, who have a Heisman candidate in and of themselves in their senior quarterback, Max Duggan. You know, the Horn Frogs only had to take about a 25 minute drive, you know, down, down 30. So it really was not a bad drive for them. Kansas State had to go a little bit farther, so it was going to be more of like a home game for TCU. And, you know, in this game, the biggest thing for TCU is, you know, we saw how Will Howard played against them early on, you know, in the middle of the year, you know, jumped out to a 28-17 to lead at halftime when they played in the regular season. But the halftime adjustments is really what helped TCU get that big-time win at home against Kansas State early on in the year. So obviously you're going to need to get, you know, your defense is going to have to step up excruciatingly much, right? They had to step up. You need to stop Deuce Vaughn. You need to stop Malik Knowles. You mostly need to stop Will Howard and don't let him get active, You know, especially in play action-wise because that's really what's been TCU's Achilles heel. And then for TCU, once again, defense has just got to keep going. Offense needs to keep playing really well. We saw how well they were clicking against Iowa State last week. And you know, in this game – TC's offense just really struggled out the gate to get anything going. They would only have about 10 total points in the first half. And, you know, there were a lot of mistakes, right? Max Duggan was overthrowing the football like crazy. Kansas State, a lot of credit to their defensive line, was stopping the run, you know, with Kendra Miller and just that whole entire backfield. But things will start to get interesting towards the fourth quarter as going into the second half, Kansas State would lead TCU 14-10. And, you know, another huge thing in this game would be a lot of controversial calls. You know, they both, they would go on both sides of the football. Max Duggan tried to throw a pass. You know, it. I, honestly, I think it should have been a fumble, went to the end zone, and then Kansas State recovered it. And what should have been a safety, but TCU would get lucky in that call. But also TCU would have a few calls going against them. As freshman wide receiver Jordan Hudson, I think about in the third or fourth quarter, he was a fourth quarter would be wide, pretty much wide open for a touchdown pass. Would catch it, but it would get called back to would get called back due to offensive pass interference. When he never shoved off the the corner, and it, there was a lot of hand you know hand fighting and everything throughout this game between the secondary of K State and TCU, and you know kind of back talking out of K State. Their offense was really exceptional. You know they. They realize going into this game, you do not need to play hero ball, right? Stick to the fundamentals, stick to the little things that you've been, you know, constantly been able to do. You know, you did against Kansas. I know the week before that, against Texas didn't work as well. But you know, against Oklahoma State and even against TCU, you know, during the regular season in the first half. And that's exactly what they did, and that would be handing the ball to their star running back Deuce Vaughn, as Deuce Vaughn would have a monster day: 26 carries for 130 yards rushing and one touchdown. I mean, he would absolutely break the break the ankles of Mark Perry, TCU safety, as he would have his long touchdown run for 44 yards. I mean, he was just absolutely going off in this game. And, you know, really showcased a lot of that elusiveness. Very similar to Darren Sproles, the former Kansas State great running back and NFL great running back. So overall, really good day for Kansas State. And they did it really without having one of their main weapons on offense in Malik Knowles, who would leave this game with a hamstring injury after the first quarter. And Malik Knowles, when he did left, he had 48 rushing yards on the day, which he had a long of 40, which is off of a jet sweep. But anyway, outside of that, you know, talking about quarterback play, um, you know, Adrian Martinez, the former Nebraska quarterback, he would not be playing in this game due to injury reasons. And I think also, to the fact Will Howard's just been playing exceptionally better. Will Howard would get the start once again. And, you know, Will Howard was did nothing crazy statistically on the day. 18 for 32, 199 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. But he was able to get it done when it needed to get done, making the little throws that mattered the most, throwing those out routes, throwing them down the middle, throwing them on the sideline. He looked really good and was really accurate in this game throwing the football against a TCU secondary that just absolutely struggled to stop them whatsoever. And, you know, now back to TCU and their offense in this game, they really wouldn't get things clicking until the fourth quarter when they would be facing a huge deficit as going into the fourth quarter, TCU would be down 21-17, to and ultimately, I think it would be 28-17 to at one point in this game, and, you know, it really looked like, okay, Kansas State automatically won this game, there's no hope. And that'd be until the Heisman, hopeful quarterback, and Max Duggan for the TCU Horn Frogs would absolutely go off. As T- as Max Duggan on the day rushing yard wise, would have 15 carries for hundred and ten yards rushing and one touchdown. And funny enough, you're probably thinking, Wow, he was running the football so effectively in this game. Max Duggan on the final drive of the just of a regulation would have ninety five total rushing yards. I mean, he put the team on his back and led them all the way down the field despite a lot of wide receivers dropping the football, him missing a lot of throws, put them on his back and got them down the field and would eventually get them into the end zone to tie the ball game up 28-28 to as we then would go into overtime. And well, TCU, they would get the ball first, and it was looking pretty good. It was a really promising drive. Um, Max Duggan would run all the way down until he would barely be down about the half-yard line. It would be third and goal from that point on, and – just some of the most controversial play calling you will see, and one of the most controversial plays I think we've had in most in college football history recently. Um, Kendra Miller, star running back for TCU, who also had himself a pretty good, pretty good game as well. 17 carries for 82 yards rushing and one touchdown. He would cross the plane. You know the sky camera showed it as well. So there's no excuse. I know you can talk about his knee and everything like that, but his knee was not down. The ball crossed the plane but the refs would call it that he would be short on the field and they would never review that play. And then for some reason, TCU, they would decide, you know what, we're just going to run the football right up the middle again. And you're thinking, okay, with Max Duggan, right? Because, you know, he was on fire, you know, ending regulation, had a 95-yard rushing drive. That would not be the case whatsoever. They would give it right back to Kendra, and he would be stuffed at the goal line. And then all Kansas State would have to do is just get a few yards, get a few yards, get a few yards, set them up for a good field goal, and then Kansas State would kick the game winning field goal in overtime to beat the third ranked TCU Horn Frogs 31 to 28 as Kansas State. They now wrap up their year before heading to the bowl game. 10 to 3 as they are now the 2022, which pains me to say big 12 champions and then for tcu a really good season i mean projected wise tcu was supposed to be bottom three in the big 12 you know under first year head coach sonny dykes and the fact they made it to the conference championship they're still very much in playoff contention, I know as this episode goes live, I think the playoff rankings will already be gone or already be released. But you know, as of right now, they are still very much and should be in the playoff, especially with what they were able to do towards the end of the game. They really showcased, you know, what they're going to be able to give you as a team. You know, the defense finally stepped up and everything like that. But I mean, Max Duggan seriously deserves a chance to go up to New York and have a a legitimate case at winning the Heisman. You know, we talked a little bit early on about how Caleb Williams has pretty much already got it wrapped up, which he does, despite that, you know, not a really good performance against Utah, but that was due to injuries and everything like that. I think Max Duggan seriously needs to be considered for potentially winning the Heisman. And, you know, no bias, because obviously you all know I am a TCU fan. But, I mean, this guy is just – is the definition of grit, the definition of a leader, and he showcased it in this game. He had a really emotional post-game interview where he was absolutely bawling, you know, in tears because he felt like he let the team down. You know, he felt like, you know, it was his fault for not getting them, you know, and allowing them to be able to win that game. And, well, I mean, you can't really blame him, but it was just – just, it was a really hard game as a TCU fan, but if you're Kansas State, you now have won your third Big Twelve Championship, your first one since 2012, where Colin Klein was absolutely going off in the college football ranks, and would actually go up to New York City. But anyway, Kansas State, they would go on to beat the third-ranked TCU Horn Frogs in the Big Twelve Championship game, 31 to 28. Now, y'all, for our um, second and our last actual game that we had here in our noon slate, we had the Toledo Rockets taking on the Ohio Bobcats in the MAC Championship game. So we did have a little bit more action—not our weekday action—but we had some action games. You know, the Battle of Ohio, who would win the MAC? And well, this game didn't really go how I thought it would. I thought Ohio, their run game would be really good. You know, behind their freshman running back Bangura. But it wouldn't be the complete opposite case as Toledo would be able to run the ball super effectively. Stewart and Finn would both have over 85 rushing yards apiece. Stewart having 93 and a touchdown and then Finn having 86 rushing yards. And, you know, this wasn't a big offensive game. You know, we've kind of gotten used to seeing a lot of offensive production in Maction games. But there would only be a total of 24 points in this game. But the defense of Toledo would do a really good job of holding that really good Ohio offense as Toledo would go on to win the MAC championship game here in the 2022 college football season. 17-7 to over the Ohio Bobcats, who I thought should have easily won this game. But a ton of credit to Toledo as they now uh finish off i guess you could say their regular season eight and five and then for ohio they now wrap up their year nine and four still a really good year seven and one in conference play but obviously it's got to sting a little bit considering the fact that this was a game that they definitely should have won so anyway toledo they would go on to win the mac championship game now y'all we're going to go down to our uh midday slate of games right so we had the sec championship game we had the american athletic uh championship game and then we also had a few other ones that we're going to talk about. But to kick it all off, we got to talk about the biggest one, and that would be the 14th-ranked LSU Tigers, who would be dealing with their banged-up quarterback, Jaden Daniels, after last week's game in College Station taking on the Texas A&M Aggies, going to Atlanta to take on the number one-ranked Georgia Bulldogs and that just absolutely dynamic defense that they do have. And, well, you know, start this game off – Things were not looking good if you were an LSU fan because I know Georgia, they would take, I think it was a 27-7 to 7 lead at one point, 24, something around there. It was like mid to late 20s, and then LSU only had seven. And it was really not looking good if you were an LSU fan. You're probably like, well, darn. And, you know, LSU finally decided, you know what, Jaden Daniels, he's banged up. We need to go with a different quarterback, let him heal and everything like that. So, Jaden Daniels would finish this game 16 for 24, 208 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. So, the Tigers would actually go with former four-star quarterback Garrett Nussmeyer, who has been very, and I mean very hyped up by a lot of LSU people. And I would say he performed pretty darn well in this game. 15 for 27, 294 yards passing with two touchdowns. He did throw one pick, but he looked really good. You know, potentially the future at quarterback for the LSU Tigers. And, you know, since we're talking about quarterback play, we obviously have got to talk about the counterpart in this game in Georgia's Stetson Bennett. Now, the biggest thing you're going to hear about Stetson Bennett is the fact that, okay, well, he's, you know, system made, right? Obviously, under, you know, that offense has got so many dynamic weapons. It's got to be easy, which, in a sense, you are right. But he played really well in this game, did not make any sort of big-time big, big time mistakes. 23 for 29, 274 yards passing with four touchdowns and zero interceptions. Just an absolutely electric game by Stetson Bennett. But what would make it even better would be the run game of the Georgia Bulldogs. Kendall Milton, Edwards, and McIntosh would bolt with all of them would have 113 rushing yards for Milton, 77 for Edwards, and 55 for McIntosh, who would have two rushing touchdowns of his own. As a Georgia Bulldogs, would just completely decimate the LSU defense in this game. I mean, they they did it without any type of just difficulty, right? Did it with ease. I mean, the run game was fantastic, having a total of 255 yards rushing on the day. They held LSU to only 47 rushing yards on the day. Now, receiving-wise... Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember what his name properly is, my bad. Uh Malik Neighbors, he would actually have a, you know, receiving-wise, LSU had a pretty good game. Malik Neighbors, five receptions for 128 yards receiving and one touchdown. And then a guy that was, you know, potentially was supposed to be a Belenikoff award, you know, uh, front-runner to begin the year, if you want to say that, also was supposed to be a really big wide receiver in the SEC. Kayshaun Boutte, who has struggled a lot this year, whether it was due to injury issues, not getting the ball enough, he would have a really good game against the Georgia Bulldogs, showcased a lot of that NFL potential that we've been waiting to see from him. Six receptions for 107 yards receiving and one touchdown. But ultimately, despite, you know, having a pretty good passing game for LSU, it would just be too little, too late, as the Georgia Bulldogs would go on to roll past the LSU Tigers in the SEC championship game fifty to thirty as Georgia they finish their regular season undefeated at thirteen and zero. And the LSU Tigers, they fall to nine and four and end the twenty twenty two college football regular season campaign with two straight losses. And obviously you can credit a lot of that to the fact that, you know, the defense not defense, the offense was kinda of banged up, you know, losing your starting quarterback Jaden Daniels. Was it, you know, doesn't help whatsoever, but I mean, just Georgia right now clearly should be the national championship favorite, and they proved it once again in this game as they would absolutely demolish this LSU team. Now, y'all, for our next conference championship game, we're going to go talk about, we're going to go down to New Orleans, Louisiana, as we had the 22nd ranked UCF Knights taking on the 18th ranked two two lane Green Wave. In the American Athletic Conference Championship game. And you know, you know what you're going to get out of Tulane, right? You're going to get a really good run game with Tajay Spears. You're also going to get some pretty underrated uh, wide receivers in Watts and Wyatt. And then quarterback play with Michael Pratt has been absolutely fantastic this year so far for the Green Wave. And then obviously they have one of the best defenses in all of college football. And then for UCF, their starting quarterback, John Rhys Plumley, would be a little bit banged up going into this game, which is not something you really want to have. So, you know, they were going to have to rely on a lot of their outside weapons. And, you know, in this game, Tulane... Would get off to a pretty darn good start. You know, at the end of the first quarter, they would lead UCF 10-0. to And going into half would lead the Knights 17-7. Michael Pratt in this game just was absolutely phenomenal. Outside of having one interception, he was pretty much darn near perfect. 24-33, 394 yards passing with four touchdowns. And then that one interception we talked about. But, man, oh, man, Tajay Spears. This guy's name needs to get talked a lot about. I mean, absolutely Needs to be needs to be discussed as one of the best running backs, you know, at least in the group of five ranks, let alone all of college football. As Tajay Spears would have 22 carries for 200 yards rushing in this game for one touchdown. After having a great performance last week against Cincinnati, he backs it up once again and is able to go up against a UCF team and just absolutely run all over them. We saw Navy do it, you know, a few weeks ago against the Knights. And then for receiving-wise... I mean, man, Watts and Wyatt, the two wide receivers I was talking about a little bit ago, Watts would have 134 yards receiving in this game with a touchdown, and then Wyatt would have five receptions for 110 yards receiving and two touchdowns as well, as a two-lane green wave will beat the bad boys of the American Athletic Conference. You know, the guys are going to be going to the Big 12 next year. They beat UCF 45-28 to as two-lane. They now improve on the year 11-2, and then for UCF really disappointing end of your year, right? You know, obviously that loss against Louisville early on in the year was very skeptical because at the time, a lot of us were like, you know, Louisville's really not that good. We saw kind of later on in the year they started to emerge a little bit more, especially that big-time win they had against Wake Forest. But, you know, losing against a Navy team who, offensively, you should not be struggling against whatsoever because in that game against Navy, Navy only threw the football once and didn't even complete that pass. So, yeah, it was. it's just been a rough few weeks for the UCF Knights, and it didn't help their case either. They're going up against one of the hottest teams right now in all of college football. And, you know, to kind of help better Tulane's resume a little bit more, they went into Manhattan in week three and beat, you know, the Big 12 champion Kansas State Wildcats who just took down the third-ranked TCU horn Frogs. So this Tulane team, they're no joke as they now will be headed to the Cotton Bowl in Arlington to take on the USC Trojans. That is going to be a fun bowl game to watch, especially Tulane's defense going up against that offense of USC. You know, will Caleb Williams still be a little bit banged up? I know he's got a lot more time to rest now, but man, is that going to be a really entertaining bowl game to watch? And just for all you guys out there, in case you're wondering, you know, am I, am I going to do a bowl preview? We absolutely are going to be doing that, but we're going to be doing it week by week. We're not just going to do it all at once. So just just expect those episodes to come out a little bit later on when we do get a little bit more news. So. Anyways, y'all, the next game I want to talk about, we're going to go down to the Sun Belt. We're going to go down to Troy, Alabama, as we have the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers without their starting quarterback, Grayson McCall, which is pretty much their entire offense, taking on the Troy Trojans, who have been one of the more hotter teams in in the group of five and while troy going into this game you could tell they wanted this more than absolutely anything as troy would have a great def- or not great d- defensive performance they would have a great offensive performance in this game putting up three rushing touchdowns on the day johnson their their uh, starting running back would have 134 rushing yards on the day or receiving yards, sorry, I did not mean to say rushing. That would be receiving yards. Rushing the football didn't get anything crazy, but they would get three rushing touchdowns in this game, three receiving touchdowns in this game as well, as Troy would go on to win the Sun Belt Championship game over the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. 45-26 Forty-five to twenty-six as Troy. They now improve to eleven and two on the year, and then for Coastal Carolina, they now fall to nine three. And I'm sorry, guys. Grayson McCall did play in this game, but he's still a little bit banged up. Didn't play up to his full level. Twenty-nine for forty-one, three hundred and nineteen yards passing with three touchdowns and one interception. So, before all you Coastal Carolina people, you know, gripe at me and everything like that. I did watch a little bit of it, but all I know is that Troy absolutely decimated the Clears as they go on to win the Sun Belt Championship. Now, y'all, for the final game I want to talk about before we get into our two major uh, conference championship games to wrap us up here in conference championship weekend, we're going to talk about the Mountain West Championship game as it had the Fresno State Bulldogs taking on the Boise State Broncos up in Boise, and well... If you liked offense, this was not necessarily the best game for you whatsoever. But Fresno State, they were able to really contain Boise State and their uh, freshman quarterback Taylor Green, who's really been lighting it up these past few weeks, had a major and I mean a major game against Utah State last week and I thought okay, that would factor into a lot in this game. But man, did they give him so much trouble. 17 for 38 on the day, 175 yards passing, one touchdown, and two interceptions for Taylor, uh, uh, yeah, Taylor Green. As the Fresno State defense was absolutely huge in their win against the Boise State Broncos up in Boise. Now, it also helped too that Fresno State was able to get a punt return for a touchdown as well. So. That always is something good to have too. As Fresno State would go on to win the Mountain West uh, Mountain West Championship game 28 to 16 over the Boise State Broncos, as the Fresno State Bulldogs finish off their regular season campaign 9 and 4, and then Boise State they wrap up their year with the same record at 9 and 4. So great win for Fresno State as they're able to win the Mountain West. Now, y'all, for our next game that I want to talk about, we're going to go to Charlotte, North Carolina in the ACC championship game as we have the ninth-ranked Clemson Tigers taking on the 23rd-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels. And, well, it's a tale of two offenses that can be really good at times and then they can also be really bad because with Clemson, with DJ Ugalele, you're pretty much getting just a complete eight ball, right? You, you're never gonna know what you're gonna get out of him. One game he's gonna look like a Heisman contender, and then the next he looks like your scout team quarterback. And then for North Carolina, you know, you know what you're gonna get out of Drake May, but do you know what you're gonna get out, of, out out of the rest of your other offensive pieces? And you know, the same case goes for North Carolina's defense because their defense has been statistically one of the worst in all of college football so far this year. But um, in this game between Clemson and North Carolina. It would be yet again another rough start for DJ Ugulele like we just talked about as he would start the game 2-for-5 for 10 yards passing. And just really could not get his, you know, foot going in this game. And, you know, well, Dabo Sweeney, who has really been need, who's really been needing to make this change, but finally decided to, you know, get the courage to do it. He decided to bench his, his uh, veteran quarterback, DJ Ugalele, who I'm, I fully expect in the next 48 to 72 hours to announce his transfer from the program. But they would go with five-star quarterback, Cade Klubnik. And, you know, well, that seemed to be a pretty darn good decision for the Clemson Tigers as Cade Klubnik in this game would absolutely go off pretty much darn near perfect. 20 for 24, 279 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions really helped give this Clemson offense a lot of energy that, you know, they haven't had the entire season under DJ Ugulele. And, you know, rushing-wise, wasn't their most effective game. Will Shipley only had 18 rushing yards on the day, but they would have three rushing touchdowns as Cade Klubnik would actually uh, lead them in rushing yards with 30 rushing yards and a touchdown as well. And, I mean, man, just the offense didn't do anything crazy in this game, right? That you know they weren't exceptionally great or anything, you know, outstanding. The defense was really well against Drake May and the North Carolina offense. Drake May really struggled in this game. Obviously, his offensive line really couldn't block that well, but also too just never really could get anything going. As you'd go 26 for 42, 268 yards passing with zero touchdowns and two interceptions in this game. Not so good for a guy that we thought a few weeks about, a few weeks ago would have been a Heisman candidate. And well, Joshua Downs, who I think is going to be a great, you know, uh, in a wide receiver in the NFL, he had himself a pretty good game, but that was really it in terms of North Carolina offensively. Eleven receptions for a hundred yards, even, and that would really be the sum of the whole story. Clemson's defense would just shut out that North Carolina offense, as Clemson would go on to win the ACC championship game. 39-10 to over the North Carolina Tar Heels as Clemson. They now finish their regular season 11-2 and are now going to be taking on Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. So it will literally and figuratively be the Orange Bowl between two schools that main colors are orange in the Orange Bowl. So that will be a really fun game to watch. And we'll discuss that bowl game when the time does come. But anyway, Clemson is able to win the ACC championship game over the North Carolina Tar Heels. Now, guys, for our final conference championship game that I want to talk about and you know just the final conference championship game in general we're going to go up to indianapolis indiana at lucas oil stadium as we had the big 10 championship game between the purdue boilermakers who you know, luckily enough had a literally literal Week 13 miracle in the fact that Nebraska beat Iowa, allowing for Purdue. To, all, all they had to do was go and beat Indiana on the road, which they did, and they would clinch the Big Ten West and a chance to win the Big Ten championship game. But they had to go up against a pretty darn good offense in the second-ranked Michigan Wolverines. And, while well, the offense of Michigan continued to look pretty good. J.J. McCarthy, who... Didn't have to throw the football that much. You know, we saw him throw it a little bit more against Ohio State last week, but definitely it helps when you've got a really good number two running back in Donovan Edwards. You know, Heisman hopeful running back, Blake Corm he's out for the rest of the year. You know, he had season-ending surgery a day before the game. So, Donovan Edwards will be the starting running back going forward, you know, also into the playoff. and. Well, in these past few games, Donovan Edwards has really shown that, hey, I think him and Blake Coram can be a really good 1A, 1B tandem, as Donovan Edwards would once again have another 150-plus rushing yard game, 25 carries, 185 yards rushing, and one touchdown. Just an absolute monster of a game for Donovan. And as um, Gus Johnson likes to call him, the Don. So I guess that's his new nickname now. You know, know, all credit goes to uh, uh, Gus Johnson for that. J.J. McCarthy, like I talked about, really didn't have to throw the football that many times. You know, only had 17 attempts, but would go 11 for 17, 161 yards passing with three touchdowns and one interception. As you know, this game really, the score doesn't show it as much, but this game was really close through three quarters of football, right? Because after three quarters, the score would only be uh, 28 to 16, which, in terms, is a pretty close game. There are a lot of points where, it, it, you know, Purdue really could have taken the lead in this game, but you could also say a lot of coach, coaching issues, going for a field goal in times when you really should have gone for a touchdown. Um, Aiden O'Connell, for the most part, you know, especially start the game, was really good, but would finish the game really rough, throwing two really costly interceptions, especially when they were backed up into their own end zone, and he threw a pick, and that pretty much just, all momentum swung to michigan at that point as aiden o'connell will go 32 for 47 366 yards passing with zero touchdowns and two interceptions not that great but overall you know purdue did have one bright spot on offense and that would be chuck swizzle aka charlie jones the iowa transfer who is balled out this year for the purdue boilermakers and truly a guy that that I think will be a finalist for the Belenikoff Trophy, he would have himself a really good game. 13 receptions for 162 yards receiving. Didn't get a touchdown, but man, you can just see all the potential this guy has. He looks like a very, he's, he's a little bit smaller than Cooper Cup, but he has that same athletic ability as Cooper Cup. Guys like Adam Thielen, Jordy Nelson, I mean, this guy really can, I think he can be really something special in the NFL, especially at the slot, and even returning the football. But Charlie Jones would really be it offensively for The Purdue Boilermakers, as Michigan would have a really strong fourth quarter to win the Big Ten championship game for back-to-back years, as they once again now are going to clinch a spot in the college football playoff. Forty-three to twenty-two over Purdue in the Big Ten championship game, as Michigan they still remain undefeated at thirteen and zero, and Purdue they now wrap up eight and five. Still a good season for the Boilermakers. They were able to make the Big Ten championship game. Obviously, it didn't go the way that they wanted it to. But for Michigan, it was another strong offensive performance as now they're going to be looking ahead to the college football playoff and waiting to see who they will take on. And, I mean, man, this college football playoff is going to be really interesting. We'll talk about that, obviously, here in about a week or two. But, guys, that is going to wrap up all of our conference championship game weekend recap and games that we had going on. It was an amazing weekend of football. We saw a lot, and, I mean, a lot of upsets. Utah over USC to kick it all off on Friday night. Kansas State over the TCU horn Frogs in an absolute Thriller of a game, which I was at, which pains me a lot because I'm a TCU guy, but man, hats off to Kansas State and what they were able to do, but anyway guys, I hope y'all were able to really enjoy today's uh, recap of all of our conference championship games. Make sure you like, comment, share, rate, just do whatever you can to make sure that we continue to grow the Cover 7 podcast so that everybody can stay up to date with anything college football and NFL related. Now, guys, just so you know, we probably won't have a preview coming out for next week, but we will have Catching Up with College Football Episode 2 coming out where we recap all of the off-season action going on in college football world. So, guys, thank you so much, and I will catch y'all then. Peace, y'all.